Hi, this is Robin Curtis, and I played Lieutenant Slavik in Star Trek 3 and 4. You're listening to Rico on Treks and Sci-Fi. Well, thanks, Robin, for that intro. I caught Robin Curtis, uh, Slavik, uh, in the Motor City Comic Con uh, autograph kind of area a couple weeks back. And she was very nice. Uh, she did a little recording, got a picture with her. Uh, really nice lady. I enjoyed speaking with her. Well, you are listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. This is your host, Rico, and this will be podcast number 124 for June the 3rd, 2007. Yes, it's the month of June. Summer is, uh, well, it's not officially summer, I guess, yet, but summer is here, at least in Michigan. Been rather warm the past few days. Going to have a, a, a classic, as I always like to say, a back-to-basics kind of a classic show. We're going to look at a original series Star Trek episode this week. I've got a cool collectible that I just got about a week or so ago to talk about. Uh, got some uh, listener audio to play for you. Going to announce a new contest. Lots of good stuff. So uh, I think uh, you want to stay tuned. Uh, I appreciate you downloading the show as always. So I'm going to play the one minute or so preview to the original series episode that we're going to be covering this week for you instead of my usual usual uh, usual uh, tongue rolling today <laughs> the uh, instead of the usual kind of uh, intro uh, theme music for the show so here's the uh, the one minute preview for the episode we're going to be looking at soon and I'll be right back captain's log start date 3113.2 the enterprise out of control. Maximum warp power in reverse propels us backward in time. UFO is picking up speed and climbing. I'm going in closer. Try and beam that pilot aboard. Computer, you will not address me in that manner. Compute. Computed, dear. It also has an unfortunate tendency to giggle. Jim. He's down there alone, probably under arrest. He doesn't have a communicator and we can't locate him or beam him back aboard without one. Sabotage, espionage, unauthorized entry, burglary. I am going to lock you up for 200 years. Well, uh, there you go. Yes, that is the uh, preview uh, for the original series first season episode of Star Trek. Uh, it's called the Team. Uh, <laughs> sorry, it's a little too early maybe today to do this show. Uh, that is from Tomorrow Is Yesterday. And welcome again to the podcast, everyone. Well, we'll be getting to uh, looking at that episode here in a little bit. I've got some other things to go over first. So uh, I hope everyone out there is doing well. I finally feel like I'm pretty much back to normal. Uh, you know, it took a long time for me to readjust after I got back from Taiwan a couple of weeks ago. I also had to take a very quick trip uh, just uh, down to Ohio from Michigan uh, this this past week on business. I don't know. It seemed to be turning into more of the traveling, uh, traveling chemist guy instead of uh, staying around town. So... It kind of goes in waves like that. Some some weeks and months I won't go anywhere, and then all of a sudden I'm going everywhere uh, a lot. So uh, I have a feeling the next few months might be kind of like that. Things uh, rather busy at work. So, But enough about that. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, if you're new, welcome. If you're uh, a longtime uh, listener, also welcome, as I uh, tend to usually say. I want to make a few kind of general announcements here first uh, to kind of get this stuff out of the way because I always feel like I've 
sometimes forget it or it just slips in wherever. Uh, uh, I want to first throw out the contact information for the podcast because I uh, found out from a listener that uh, I was using this free, uh, and a lot of the podcasts out there use this, this free voicemail service uh, that starts with a 206 area code. I've been using it for a while. The cool thing about this service was you could kind of enter your own number and and use a sort of a, a letter code, you know, how the letters are on the different numbers on the phone dial, and you could create a nice little name, you know, almost a short thing. It used to be, uh, I used to use the word Trex in the, in the number. Anyway, all that's kind of gone now. I'm still using the same service, but they don't seem to offer uh, anymore the ability to choose your own kind of name or number. So I did some random checks, tried to get a number that was easy to, to remember. Uh, so here's, anyway, with all that said, here's the new number, the new voicemail, free voicemail. Well, you still have to dial, a, uh, I guess, a toll, uh, air, you know, long-distance number. But if you use, like, a cell phone, I guess that makes it sort of sort of free, except your normal cell phone charges. Anyway, uh, Rico, just give them the number, you know? Okay. Uh, <laughs> here is the new voicemail number. Hopefully this will stay this way for a little while. Anyway, here it is, 206, and then there are four sixes, so it's 206-6666-127. I thought that was relatively easy, so it's 206, and then four sixes in a row, and then 127. There is, that number is also listed on the main treksf.com or treksinsci-fi, either will get you to treksinsci-fi.com or treksf.com will get you to the website. And the number is listed over on the left-hand side in the menu area there for contacting the show via voicemail. You're also always welcome to send uh, audio in uh, via the uh, Gmail email for the show. Gmail email. It is treksf at gmail.com. So, there you go. Uh, hopefully, uh, you've got all that written down. You can always go back and play it on the podcast, and all that information is, of course, up at the website. So, let's move on. We've got uh, not a lot of news and that kind of information in, in the sci-fi and, and, and world, although there were there were a few tidbits. I'm not going to do Star Wars, Star Trek news specifically today, uh, because we have a very good, long, uh, and detailed report from our buddy of the show and forum uh, moderator, Kenny. He sent in a great audio report on Celebration 4, which was the big, of course, uh, Star Wars celebration, convention, hoopla that happened over Memorial Day weekend, uh, which was just a week ago out in Los Angeles, and I'll be playing that for you uh, shortly. So that will be kind of the Star Wars news. Uh, there was, uh, of course, a uh, trailer up for the Clone Wars cartoon series, which won't be out until uh, sound looking like uh, later in 2008, probably at least a more than a year away, which is, I was hoping it was going to be out more like next spring, you know, early 2008, but looks like it's going to be more towards fall of 2008, uh, the Clone Wars uh, trailer. It looks pretty cool, though, so far. I'm a, I'm pretty impressed by it. Uh, I think it looks pretty neat. Uh, there's a lot of people, I think, out there that are not uh, overly thrilled with the animation style and maybe we're not as happy about what they saw, although I think uh, that you have to keep in mind there's a long way to go to work on this still, and it was just a short trailer, so I think you should keep all that in mind when you see it. Um, but the uh, And the Star Trek front, uh, besides some new enhanced episodes on air, uh, not a lot going on there. The, the other uh, really big bit of uh, sci-fi news, uh, a couple things I wanted to mention. 
The first being, uh, it has been finally officially, it was kind of official, then unofficial, and now it's officially. It looks like next year's uh, fourth season of Battlestar Galactica will be its last. Uh, I'm a little sad by that. I really think they have at least two two seasons, two years worth of stories. They've got a lot of things set up right now in the series, and to wrap all that up in just one more season in like 22 episodes, I, I'm starting to already think that it's going to look a little rushed and feel a little rushed. However, uh, of course, they, they still talk about this idea of having this prequel series, Caprica. They could always do follow-up TV movies or even direct a DVD. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a feature film one day. So I think even after the fourth season of the new Battlestar Galactica goes off the air, it's likely we will see more uh, from that uh, cast, crew, producers, and so forth. So we will see how that turns out. The other bit of uh, sci-fi television news that I heard about was, and I'm not sure, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to bother to look it up because uh, I forget the name of the actress, but she played a fairly small role in the uh, mutant movie, the last X-Men movie, The Last Stand. Uh, she played the role of Callisto. She is that actress, and maybe I will just quickly look it up. I'll pause the recording here in a second, but that actress that was in the last X-Men movie is got a... Uh, permanent uh, role, a new role as one of the new main hero characters on the NBC show Heroes for next season. So uh, congratulations to uh, her. Okay, I looked up the actress's name. Her last name is Ramirez. Uh, First name is uh, Dania, Dania, D-A-N-I-A, Dania, Dania Ramirez, who played in X-Men 3, The Last Stand. Uh, she had a very small part in that, I thought. Uh, but anyway, she is going to be uh, one of the new heroes for next season. So look forward to seeing that. All right, I'm going to give my voice here a little bit of a rest, uh, get some more uh, frost-flavored uh, Gatorade, and I am going to play a uh, another little book review. I want to play this uh, now uh, rather than towards the end of the show. This is our buddy uh, from our buddy Duffster. This book review is uh, about a book called uh, The Puppet Masters, which I think uh, that was a Highline book, if I believe. Uh, I'm thinking of the right book, although sometimes books have the same title. So anyway, here's his review of Puppet Masters. Hey everyone, this is Duster, and this is your science fiction book review, brought to you by ReadMoreSciFi.com. Today we're going to review a book called The Puppet Masters by Robert Heinlein. Now, I know you might be thinking about the, the, the movie, The Puppet Masters, that came out a few years ago, but let me tell you what, the, the book, The Puppet Masters, is much, much better than the movie, uh, like most science fiction books, and, well, most books in general. Uh, this is a really good invasion book, uh, written in 1951 by Robert Heinlein, one of my all-time favorite authors. He's definitely what you would, you would label as one of the grand masters. Uh, he wrote so many books, and there's been a lot of attempts at translating these books into uh, movies. Uh, Starship Troopers, one of the more recent ones, that, and they never quite reached the level of his writing in the books. Um, this is a, this is an invasion story about uh, a UFO landing on Earth, and uh, these creatures that ride humans, they call them. Uh, it's 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 a lot of fun. Uh, it was in the 50s, so there was a, a whole lot of overtures of uh, the communist threat back then, and uh, <laughs> there's some really interesting parallels between Congress today and Congress back then. Uh, some things just don't change. 
Uh, if you haven't read this book, it's a, it's a good book to read. I would urge you to go out and get it. It's, it's Heinlein's books are, are definitely uh, an, not an acquired taste, but generally you like him or you don't like him. He, he does include some politics in him. And he was definitely a product of the 50s, and this book is definitely a product of the 50s. Um, and it's always good to go back and look at some of these older classics. Um, so this is Dubster. I'm going to sign off, but i got to remind you, of course, as always, to read more science fiction. Ta-ta! Well, thanks very much, as always, Dubster, for that great uh, review of the Puppet Master's book. Uh, yeah, I've read that book. I'm, I'm also a big Heinlein fan. Uh, I think he's a really good author. Uh, and the interesting thing I've always thought about Heinlein is, uh, for a grandmaster of like sci-fi, like you say, a lot of his books are not really what I would call hard or heavy sci-fi. A lot more character kind of things, and just you know, I, I have a hard time describing it. Uh, but you know, there are a lot of books that he did, which uh, you know, it's not like going through wormholes in space and spaceships. Although he did some, you know, some of that too, to a degree. But the Puppet Masters, yeah, I agree. That book was quite a bit better than the movie. Uh, the movie actually wasn't too bad, but the book is just much more interesting. So thanks again for your review, Duster. We're going to switch over to now uh, Kenny. Kenny uh, did a, a great uh, C4 report, Celebration 4 report for us. He was there a couple of days last weekend. I think what I'm going to try to do here is split this up into two parts. Depending on how the rest of the podcast goes, I may include the second half of or so of his uh, report either later in this episode uh, this week or I'll re- include it in a future podcast, maybe next week probably. I'm going to try to get it in today just because uh, next week's show is going to be a little different, and I'll tell you more about that later on. Uh, but here is Kenny's uh, the first half, the first day of his report on C4. Hey, Rico. It's Kenny from California. I just wanted to share with you and your listeners my experiences from last weekend when I attended Star Wars Celebration 4. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend every day, but my brother did, who is a huge Star Wars fan also, and he would call me from there and give me little reports here and there, so it was kind of like being there. Um, I actually attended Saturday and Sunday and had a really great time. This year, Celebration 4 was held in the Los Angeles Convention Center. Unfortunately, I live in the Los Angeles area, so it was very easy for me to get to. Um, when I first got there, there were just tons and tons of people waiting in line. Uh, it was kind of chaotic, not w- knowing really where to go to buy tickets. People had badges. They were standing in line. Uh, I actually went to the wrong area, and I had to go out to the, the other side of the convention center and stand in another line that looked like it was going to take three hours to get through, but it went pretty fast. It took me about 45 minutes to get my tickets. Um, I did get my tickets for Saturday and Sunday, and then uh, Harry was coming with me on Sunday, so I got a ticket for him also, so I didn't have to wait in that line again. Once inside, you walk into this big open hall area, and there's this huge Death Star hanging from the ceiling, um, and that was uh, where I was waiting for my brother. Um, all around you, there's people in costumes taking pictures. It just seemed like to be the area for all the people in costumes to come if they wanted pictures taken of them. So I met up with my brother and his wife, and we decided to go to the Vader Project. What this was was um, an exhibit with Darth Vader helmets that were painted by various artists. Uh, not only painted, but some were altered and 
his various artistic uh, Darth Vader helmets. It was very cool. After that, we went next door to the Lucas Archives. Here, there were items that had never been seen in public before, which is really cool. There were about three, four costumes that had never been seen on screen. Two of the Queen Amidala dresses that were made but never worn. Um, there were also, you know, a C-3PO costume, Boba Fett, uh, Slave Leia, um, and there were also, you know, the evolution of Darth Vader's helmet or uh, the prototypes for Luke's uh, land speeder, the Death Star, just various, various items, props and stuff. That it, was just, it was a very cool uh, thing to be able to see these and, and to know that, you know, Lucas Arts has never displayed these before. So it, it, was, it was kind of, you know, an honor to see these and it was just a privilege to, to get in there and take a look at these really cool props. I mean, they even had a slate that said Revenge of the Jedi on it from way back in the day when they filmed that movie with the original title. So uh, it's just a really cool room. After that, we decided to go to the dealer room. And it was really cool. I mean, I've gone to Comic Cons before, so I'm used to dealer rooms. Um, but this one was solely Star Wars. Everything they had was Star Wars. Uh, towards the back end of the dealer room were all the autograph tables. And we walked over there. Very high security. Uh, they don't let you take pictures. They don't let you, you know, you can't pretty much do anything unless you're actually paying for an autograph and standing in line. So you can look at the people. Um, you know, they had all the main, all the, you know, the little minor characters all over the place. Um, there's probably about 30 of them. And then uh, the few of the bigger people like Kenny Baker, Peter Mayhew, and uh, David Prowse who plays Darth Vader, were sitting outside. You can actually see them, but there were huge lines to get their autographs. And then over to the left side were curtains, big, huge curtains that hid Anthony Daniels and Carrie Fisher. And there was no way to even see them. The lines were gigantic. There must have been a few hundred people. And there was, I mean, it was just impossible to see them. So um, we decided to go to the fan room where the 501st was set up. All the fan, all the local fan clubs, all the regional fan clubs, stuff like that. Um, it was a great room. They were also doing uh, how to build an Ewok village, and they would have little training sessions, and people were building this huge, elaborate uh, Ewok village. Also, they had uh, Jedi training classes for younglings, uh, and that was fun to watch, all these little kids uh, playing with lightsabers. And there was also dioramas set up of action figures. I mean, really extravagant dioramas of like whole uh, Mos Eisley city. And with all these little action figures, it was very cool. They also had like a Star Tours diorama. They had a cantina. And then they had uh, Obi-Wan's home with Luke, uh, R2, and C-3PO. Very detailed dioramas. They were pretty cool. The other thing that was in the fan room was a life-size X-Wing which um, a group called Rogue Squadron brought. I guess it's their personal X-Wing. It was so cool. They actually got you, you know, you can walk up to it, take a picture with it. So um, that was a lot of fun. After that, we wanted to get to one of the panels. They were doing fanboys. Um, they were actually speaking with the stars and the creators. And so we got in line about an hour early because, you know, getting into these things, you got to get there early to actually get a decent seat and actually to get in the thing to begin with. So um, we did that, and that was a lot of fun. It was uh, fun to listen to the, the producers and the creators and the stars. The producers of this movie are such fanboys themselves that this movie is going to just be awesome. They also showed about six different scenes 
probably about 20, 25 minutes worth of the film. And I just have to say, when this comes out, hopefully in January, I think it is now, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be awesome. And it's a definite must-see if you're a Star Wars fan. After the fanboy panel, we uh, decided to meet up with one of my brother's friends who actually came dressed as General Grievous. It was a, a you know, it's, it wasn't the best costume, but people loved him. He was great with kids. He had double lightsabers. So he was taking pictures left and right. And we must have spent at least two hours walking around getting stopped every two minutes to... Uh, to take pictures and by this time it was getting late and I was exhausted and my feet were killing me. I've taken over 250 pictures and uh, I was ready to go home. So I called it a night and uh, was looking forward to Sunday. So on Sunday, my part- Thanks Kenny for that uh, great report there on the first day you were at on Saturday uh, at C4 last weekend. We'll try to get that uh, rest of that report in later in the podcast. And now I think we're going to switch gears and get into our Star Trek episode. That's about all I needed to cover. Uh, do have a few other things uh, coming up later in the podcast, a contest, uh, replica review, and more of Kenny's report, uh, and a few other little surprises. So stand by for that. But first, let's get into the episode, Tomorrow is Yesterday. Okay, tomorrow is yesterday. Yes, this uh, this episode's probably one of my favorites uh, of uh, the original series, and I know I've said that a lot, but I, I was actually kind of surprised this is one I haven't covered until now. Because like I said, I think uh, a few podcasts back, uh, a few weeks ago they played the Enhanced, the new uh, special effects uh, enhanced version of this episode, uh, you know, with these new enhanced uh, TOS episodes they've been playing. And it kind of reminded me, this is probably one of my earliest memories of Star Trek. This is probably one of the first episodes I ever saw in syndication. And it kind of really made an impression on me. I don't know what it was. Uh, Maybe it was just because it was one of the first episodes I had seen. Uh, Maybe it was because it was back in time, set around the time of the original series uh, when it was being filmed. You know, a time travel tale. Uh, I don't know, a combination maybe of things. But, you know, the cool thing about this episode is you get to have modern day people visit the uh the enterprise visit this futuristic starship and and you know how cool is that uh especially a kid growing up uh you know to dream and to uh hope to end up being on some kind of a spaceship and go to strange new worlds was uh was pretty appealing let's just say so anyway this uh tomorrow was yesterday written by dc fontana who wrote some of the greatest in my opinion some of the uh really excellent episodes of the original series Directed by a guy named Michael O'Hirlihy, and this was first shown in January uh, of 1967. So first season, uh, roughly midway, uh, a little bit more than midway through the first season. So the characters, the actors, and the whole uh, you know Star Trek setup had been pretty well established at this point, and I think it shows. This is when the episodes are really starting to come out and, and really starting to shine. The characters are really comfortable in their roles, and it. It really shows there's some comedy elements in this episode, uh, along with some serious stuff as well. So I, I think they do a really good job with, with the combination of that. Basically, it, it, it tells the tale of, you know, the, the Enterprise uh, gets flung back in time by pulling away from a sun. And the, you know, the, the what happens is they get sort of uh, viewed by an Air Force plane have to beam the pilot aboard, and he discovers what they're all about, and then they, obviously the episode is about how do they fix this situation. 
This, I believe, is uh, well. I don't believe. I, I'm I'm positive. This is the first time uh, that the. Oh, I'm sorry. Not really the first time. The naked time. Somebody would have corrected me on that. This is uh the. Na- I was about to say this is the first time the Enterprise traveled back in time. In the episode The Naked Time, which was early in the first season, they travel back in time, pulling away from that planet that's breaking up, but they don't really do anything back in time. So that one's kind of a, eh, you know, not really that much of a time travel tale. To me, the Tomorrow is Yesterday is the first real Star Trek time travel tale that they did, and, and they do a good job with it. This, uh, this is a very enjoyable episode, a lot of fun to watch, and is definitely a favorite, uh, usually shows up on a favorites list uh, when people talk about favorite Star Trek episodes, especially favorite Star Trek episodes from the original series. Before we get into the clips and things, I have to say the, uh, the main uh, guest star here, uh, Roger Perry is the actor, he plays uh, Captain Christopher, is the Air Force pilot. I think he does a really good job. I think he acts a lot like you, you know, a person might act in this situation. So we'll talk about that as I go through the uh, audio clips that I collected. I've got about nine of those, and I want to get into that now. Got to try to get through this. We've got a lot of other things to still cover on the podcast towards the end uh, after the episode analysis and and review. But uh, let's go on. This uh, first clip I'm going to play, this is kind of, of course, the, the typical beginning of the episode gives you a, a kind of a little bit about what's going on, what's happened, and it is, you know, this episode starts out kind of unusual. It starts out with uh, a shot of like an Air Force base, the jet taking off, and then them pursuing something in, in the sky, and you're wondering at first when you watch this, is am I really tuned to the right station? Is this Star Trek? And then, of course, you have this view of the Air Force planes looking up and seeing the Enterprise in the sky, and you're saying, wow, what's what?" it was a very interesting teaser. That's what they call that first part before the show, before the theme music, before the first commercial break, before it comes back. So that was a very different kind of take on it. And I do want to mention here, and I'll probably mention it a couple other times, if you get a chance, look and see the enhanced version of this episode because, or because, because, that's, that's terrible English, because... The enhanced version of this episode, they really did a, a good job uh, of improving these effects of the Enterprise in, in low Earth orbit, uh, when it does the slingshot around the sun later on in the episode. Lots of cool new effects in this episode. And, they, you know, they didn't overdo it, but this was uh, definitely an episode that benefited, I feel, from some better new effects. The first ones were a little bit, eh, not that great, uh, especially with now uh, we know we know so much about more what the Earth looks like from orbit, uh, with the Enterprise in orbit, you know, in this episode, the original effects made the Enterprise look, or the Enter, not the Enter, just the Enterprise, but the Earth look a little odd and a little small, and didn't have all the cloud layers in there and all that kind of neat stuff. So, let's get back to the intro. I wanted to mention this is right after the commercial break, though, with the captain, uh, Captain Kirk, talking about what's happened to the Enterprise. Captain's log, stardate 3113.2. We were en route to Starbase 9 for resupply when a black star of high gravitational attraction began to drag us toward it. It required all warp power in reverse to pull us away from the star. But like snapping a rubber band, the breakaway sent us plunging through space, out of control, to stop here, wherever we are. Mr. Spock. Except for secondary systems, everything is out, sir. 
We are on impulse power only. Auxiliaries. Mr. Scott is still with us. Auxiliaries should be on momentarily. Are you all right, Lieutenant? Mr. Scott is still with us. Yeah, like uh, like the way this starts out, uh, the Enterprise, the bridge is all dark, uh, and they do some cool lighting effects in this scene. And then, of course, the line with Spock about if Mr. Scott is still with us, you know, and, and them counting on Scotty to get the power back up and going. Uh, good stuff, uh, good way to get into the episode. And I like how it comes back from the commercial where the, the Air Force plane sees the Enterprise up there and all that. Actually, I, I think I misspoke. I'm sorry about that. The inter- the before the teaser before the com- or during the teaser in the commercial, you don't really have the Air Force pilots see the Enterprise yet. At that point, you just have a shot of the airplane going up, and then you have another shot of the Enterprise uh, kind of flying through the clouds uh, above. The Enterprise has not been spotted yet, so that happens here shortly. So, sorry for the confusion on that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the next clip. The next one is not that long after the last one that I played, uh, but this gives you um, and the crew of the Enterprise the basic uh, situation of what's going on, and this is what really clues them into the fact that they've been flung back, uh, not not only through a lot of area of space from the starbase they were trying to get to, to Earth, but through time. So listen to this. Captain, normal Starfleet channel has nothing on it but static. I'm getting something on another frequency, but it's not Starfleet. Put it on audio. This is the 5.30 news summary, Cape Kennedy. The first manned moonshot is scheduled for Wednesday, 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. All three astronauts who are to make this historic... Man moonshot. That was in the late 1960s. Apparently, Captain, so are we. Whiplash propelled us into a time warp, Captain. Backward. Exact chronometer readings in a few moments. Yeah, an interesting thing to note there is, uh, you know, when this episode was first produced in, in 1966 and, and broadcast in very early 1967, of course, the first man moonshot, the first moon landing, didn't happen until uh, July of 1969. So they were kind of doing a little, uh, you know, projection and what was going to happen. Of course, they were doing test flights and you know the gemini program and things like that but they hadn't of course launched the first uh flight to the moon yet so they were they were um of course russia and the united states were in that big race to the moon situation at that time and you know with kennedy really encouraging uh the the successful landing of someone a man on the moon and then bring him back again his classic speech there so Star Trek and Gene Roddenberry and people involved were uh, saying, well, it looks like we're going to get to the moon in the next couple of years. Let's slip it into the episode. I thought that was a really neat thing, and it was neat that they uh, they were able to slide that in here. I didn't record, uh, you know, there's this whole situation where the plane approaches the Enterprise. Captain Christopher uh, is, uh, they try to hold it out there to keep it away from them so it won't blast the Enterprise or shoot them down or try to do anything like that with their tractor beam. And that starts to make the aircraft break apart. So I didn't do all that, but they eventually have to transport uh, that Air Force captain, Captain Christopher, aboard the Enterprise to save him or else he would have been killed with his uh, plane breaking up. And then, of course, he's in the transporter room 
Kirk and him meet up, and then they uh, they take the turbo lift to the bridge, which is the next clip that I've got. Uh, lots of good stuff. This this was an episode that I was very tempted as I was uh, capturing the clips to do a full, you know, play the whole episode and, and have it uh, running while I uh, commented on it. But it's, you know, it's probably, uh, it's one of those, uh, each week when I, I do an episode like this, it's obviously going to be a little easier and simpler to do it that way. But uh, this one, I kind of was trying to shorten my take on it because I knew I was going to have a lot to cover in the podcast. So there you have a little bit on the inner workings of uh, podcasting for me about my decision-making process of whether whether I do the full episode commentary or just clips. Uh, sometimes it depends on what else is going on in the show, and if I've got a lot of other things to cover, clips tend to make it go a little bit quicker, I think, even though I, I, I do comment a little bit more. So there you go. But anyway, the next clip. Next clip is with uh, the two captains, Captain Christopher and Captain Kirk, in the turbo lift, and Kirk's explaining to uh, Captain Christopher a little bit about what's going on. Must have taken quite a lot to build a ship like this. There are only 12 like it in the fleet. I see. Did the Navy... We're a combined service, Captain. Our authority is the United Earth Space Probe Agency. United Earth? This is very difficult to explain. We're from your future. A time warp placed us here. It was an accident. You seem to have a lot of them. However, I can't deny the fact that you are here with this ship. I never have believed in little green men. Neither have I. Captain Christopher, this is my first officer, Lieutenant Commander Spock. Captain? Feel free to look around, Captain. Don't touch anything, but I think you'll find it interesting. Interesting is a word and a half word, Captain. Yeah, good clip there. A couple comments, though, on it. A couple of things that I think they were still trying to establish. Uh, one, uh, Kirk mentions this uh, United Earth Space Probe Agency situation or, or organization of uh, starships and, and so on. That is uh, never really mentioned again, I don't think. This is before they mentioned the United Federation of Planets. And that... Uh, so they they're they're part of Starfleet, of course. That's mentioned a few times in this episode. But the United Federation of Planets uh, is not, and he mentions this space probe agency, which uh, you know maybe it was a little offshoot or a precursor to the Federation, or who knows what. But I think it's kind of uh, you know later on they changed that. I don't think they mentioned this Earth space probe agency ever again. The other one is uh, about Spock's rank. Uh, Kirk calls him Lieutenant Commander Spock, and. Really, throughout most of the original series, he's always really uh, referred to as Commander Spock. The braid on his uniform is different than, like, Scotty's or Dr. McCoy's, who are lieutenant, both lieutenant commanders. A little thing, uh, you know, maybe uh, he was just in between being promoted. Uh, who knows what? You could probably come up with a scenario uh, to, uh, to change that uh, or whatever. But anyway, Spock is really a full commander. Uh, really throughout most of the original series. So no big things, but, uh, you know, some of those little trivia things that come up from time to time uh, in the first season. So anyway, we'll move on. Uh, the, there's a couple, uh, like I said earlier, 
a couple of funny comedy kind of elements in this episode. The one uh, thing they threw in here for some reason, I'm not really sure why, it's not really that important, but it, it has to do with uh, Kirk's uh, computer system that he records his captain's log and that has been given this sort of, uh, you know, very feminine personality and it's kind of, uh, well, it, it seems to be kind of in love with Captain Kirk almost. Or, or something like that, and it comes into play in this next clip, so I wanted to mention it, uh, where uh, Captain Christopher and Spock are in Kirk's quarters talking over the, the situation, and it's kind of a lot of, hey, get some funny things coming out of this uh, thing, and I always think about, uh, you know, how much they're trying to make computers uh, a little more personal, a little more intuitive these days. I could, I could easily see, you know, like a, probably a Max would do it, probably Apple would do it first, where they try to infuse a some kind of a personality in a computer system and you know especially with uh, computers getting more voice recognition software and things like that i could see it not be too far away where where rather than us just talking to the computer and having it record our voice like i am now or being able to dictate it to do certain commands and things like that where it will actually talk back to you like uh you know what program do you want me to run now or so forth and so on so listen to the clip now captain's log supplemental Engineering officer Scott informs warp engines damaged, but can be made operational and re-energized. Computed and recorded, dear. Computer, you will not address me in that manner. Compute. Computed, dear. Mr. Spock, I ordered this computer and its interlinking systems repaired. I have investigated it, Captain. To correct the fault, we'll require an overhaul of the entire computer system. A minimum of three weeks at a star base. I wouldn't mind so much if only it didn't get so... affectionate. It also has an unfortunate tendency to giggle. <laughs> I take it that a lady computer is not routine. We put it into Signet 14 for general repair and maintenance. Signet 14 is a planet dominated by women. They seemed to feel the ship's computer system lacked the personality. They gave it one. Female, of course. <laughs> well, you, you people certainly have interesting problems. I'd, uh, I'd love to stay around to see how your girlfriend works out, but... I'm afraid you'll have to. We can't send you back. Can't? Well, Spock here told me that your uh, transporter can beam down an object even from an orbit this high. It's not the transporter, it's you. You know what the future looks like. If anybody else finds out, they could change the course of it, destroy it. Well, then my disappearance would change something, too. I have run a computer check on all historical tapes. They show no record of any irrelevant contribution by John Christopher. Look, Captain, I don't buy all of your time accident story. Now, the experts can figure out who you are, what you are, it's my duty to report what I've seen. Well, what would you do? I'd report. If I could, we can't take the risk. I don't want to know about risks. I have a wife, two children. What about them? I'm sorry. Yeah, good scene, very uh, believable situation. You know, they, they can't uh, allow him to go back because of the, what he knows now of the future and what might, you know, this might do to the past, his knowledge and so forth. Uh, 
a, a very good dilemma, very typical, uh, very uh, typical Star Trek type situation where you know what are they going to do? What you know they don't they're they're stuck in this very you know neither way is really a good answer. You know if they can't let this guy go back and that's not good for him, but if they do let him go back, what would that do to the to the future? So. It's uh, very interesting, and it's uh, pretty slick how they get out of it eventually, too. So the next clip, I want to move along here pretty quickly for the rest. Uh, this one is, uh, even though Spock says in that last clip that uh, Captain Christopher doesn't make any real significant contributions when he does his, his looking up in his Starfleet Wikipedia database or whatever, he did make a little bit of a mistake, and, well, you'll hear about what it is in this next clip. I made an error in my computations. Oh, this could be an historic occasion. I find that we must return Captain Christopher to Earth, after all. Why? You said I made no relative contribution. Poor choice of words on my part. I neglected, in my initial run-through, to correlate the possible contributions by offspring. I find, after running a cross-check on that factor, that your son, Colonel Sean Jeffrey Christopher, headed or will head the first successful Earth-Saturn probe, which is a rather significant... Wait a minute, I don't have a son. You mean yet. The doctor is correct. Unless we return Captain Christopher to Earth, there will be no Colonel Sean Jeffrey Christopher to go to Saturn. Well, that's it, isn't it? We'll have to find some way of... I'm going to have a son. Well, there you go. He has to have uh, his son still and get back to Earth and have that uh, work out and so his son can lead this uh, first Saturn probe mission. So that's uh, pretty cool how they slide you know, some future space agency uh, NASA work into that. Uh, some good musical uh, use in this episode, too. Some, some excellent uh, background music as well. The other thing that goes on in this episode is uh, Kirk and Sulu go down to try to retrieve these uh, these tapes, this video uh, and film uh, that Captain Christopher shot uh, when he was approaching the Enterprise. They need to retrieve these tapes so no one can get a look at uh, the, their ship, of course. And in the process of that, Kirk gets caught by the security guys, and he's being questioned, and that's what this next clip uh, I've got for you to, that... Uh, is all about uh, this is a really humorous scene you know kirk is uh sitting there in the chair they're questioning him he's trying to give him straight answers but of course he can't tell him too much and even if he did tell him what he really you know what the truth was they never would buy it so uh anyway listen to this clip you wouldn't believe me now don't try to be funny how did you get in i popped in out of thin air you seem to think this is some kind of a game no, Colonel, I know it's no game. All right, what did you say your name was? For the fourth time, my name is James T. Kirk. And how did you get inside a top security installation, James T. Kirk? I told you you wouldn't believe me. Would you mind being careful with that? Oh, that worries you a little bit, huh? What is that, a radio? Transmitter of some kind? Of some kind. You can be more specific than that, Kirk. I don't like mysteries. You 
Don't stop being careless with that and you'll have one, a big one. I'll have it disassembled and examined. We are not dummies, mister. We know how to find out things we want to know. What is that? Is that a uniform of some kind? This little thing? Something I slipped on? Kirk, maybe you don't realize how serious this is. Sabotage of a government installation. Did I sabotage something? No, we stopped you in time. But what would you have done if we hadn't found you? Believe me, Colonel, nothing at all. Is that what you're here for? Nothing at all? That's what would have happened if you hadn't interfered. Yeah, it's good. Good scene there. He's uh, looking at a phaser, and, and Kirk uh, even winces at one point when... Uh, that colonel in that's uh, questioning him tosses the phaser to another guy behind him, and Kirk's kind of winces like it's gonna he's gonna accidentally you know fire it and shoot him or something. It's it's a fun scene. That uh, character actor guy named uh, the actor there playing the colonel is uh, named Ed Peck. I just looked up. Uh, he's a he's a guy. A lot of a lot of shows back in that time frame in the 60s, 70s. He showed up in a lot of TV shows. So good uh, good work in this episode for him. The next scene, this is the typical, uh, you know, kind of uh, briefing room scene where they're trying to put it together, how they can fix uh, the situation they're in and come up with a plan. So I'll play that for you. Mr. Scott and I both agree that the only possible solution is a slingshot effect, like the one that put us here. My computations indicate that if we fly toward the sun, seek out its magnetic attraction, then pull away at full power, the whiplash will propel us into another time warp. Slingshot effects are fine for you people. How do you propose to return the sergeant and me? Logically, as we move faster and faster toward the sun, we'll begin to move backward in time. We'll actually go back beyond yesterday, beyond the point when we first appeared in the sky. Then, breaking free will shoot us forward in time, and we'll transport you back at a point before any of this happened. You won't have anything to remember because it never will have happened. What if you can't pull free of the sun? Oh, we'll do that, all right, Captain. We'll not be getting so close that my engines couldn't pull us out. What I am worried about, sir, is that we may not have much control when we're thrown forward again. Helm control? Braking control, sir. If I can't stop us soon enough, we may overshoot our time. And if I stop the engine suddenly, the strain may tear us apart. Any way we do it, it means a mighty rough ride. Yeah, here's the uh, here's the part of the episode that, it, and with any time travel type story or tale, that is always a little tricky. Uh, they, you know, like Spock explained there, they're going to go actually back in time just a little bit more, return the captain, and then this guard they had to beam up when uh, Kirk and Sulu were down in the Air Force base, return them basically at the point they removed them from their time frame, or just slightly before that, and in doing so they'll uh, not have really, because they've sort of altered the past now, they've never really had what just happened to them for the last day or so happen aboard the Enterprise. They've kind of gone back in time, put them back in place, and then they then they get out of there, and then they go back to their own time, the Enterprise does. Now, 
eh, you know, uh, if it already happened, how come it's not really happening again? You know, uh, how could they be in the point that they are if they didn't already do what had happened before? You could really give yourself a big headache when you think about it, any of these kind of stories. But I think it works. I think they, they managed to pull it off, and it kind of makes sense. It's uh, it's fun to watch, especially in the Hans version. You know, they have some cool effects of the Enterprise slingshotting around the sun that were they weren't really able to do with the budget and the technology of, you know, in the 60s when they first did the episode. So definitely check that out, like I said earlier. Couple of cl- just a couple of clips left. The next one is just a short one. This is with Captain Christopher in the transporter room talking to Kirk uh, just before he gets beamed back to his own time and kind of thanking Kirk for uh, the look ahead. So listen to this. Chronometer is moving forward again, Captain. You have the chronometer reading and the coordinates to return Captain Christopher in the guard? Computed. Bridge to transporter room. Captain Christopher. This is Christopher. We're coming up on Earth fast, Captain. Are you ready? Everything okay. Uh, Captain, thanks for the look ahead. Our pleasure, Captain. Good job. Yeah, I always like that little scene. They kind of, you know, the two captains say goodbye, and, you know, he's uh, grateful to see that the future ahead is is a very bright, uh, bright and shiny and, and a good one for, for Earth, and... It's uh, it's nice. It's a nice little scene. I, I enjoy that. Uh, the last clip, this is just sort of towards the end of the episode. Enterprise, of course, slingshots around the sun, gets back to its own time. You know, it's Kirk, it's Spock, it's everyone, it's Scotty. You know, they, they know what they're doing. They, they managed to do this. So they were able to uh, bring themselves back to uh, their normal time. Keep in mind, uh, the time travel effect here and pulling around the sun like this they do this again in uh, the Voyage Home in Star Trek IV. Uh, remember the the movie about the whales? They use uh, they're in a bird of prey at the time, but they use the same slingshot effect around the sun in order to uh, go back in time and to go back to the future uh, in that uh, movie. Uh, and this is the first time, and this is where they learned all that uh, the technique of doing that. So I think that's pretty cool uh, how they pulled that together and. Uh, in Star Trek IV, which is, you know, one of the very uh, popular and uh, enjoyable of the Star Trek movies, especially for the general audience. So play the last clip for you and then come back and wrap up the look at this episode. Captain. Starfleet Control calling Enterprise. Come in, Enterprise. Open the channel over us. Frequency open, sir. Starfleet Control. This is the Enterprise. Captain Kirk speaking. Record ship arrival. Enterprise, this is Starfleet Control. Come in, please. Starfleet Control, repeating message. The Enterprise is home. Kirk out. you have uh tomorrow is yesterday a really cool great first season episode of star trek the original series uh really uh fun to watch uh, good performances just really an overall good good episode uh, i've got a uh, uh of course we this wouldn't be complete without a moyer uh father and son review and look at tomorrow is yesterday which uh i'm very happy that they were able to send that in for this episode for this week's podcast I'm going to play it for you now. It's a few minutes long, and then I will be back 
So here, listen to uh, I think I believe it's Rick and Nathan talking about tomorrow is yesterday. Hey everybody, this is Rick and this is Nathan and this is the Father and Son Review. Well, here we are uh, going over a great episode that both Nathan and I love. What's it called? Tomorrow is yesterday, or is it yesterday is tomorrow? I always get those confused. (laughs) That's funny. Anyway, it was a great episode. I really, really liked this one, and there was such great stuff going on in it that goes throughout the Trek lore, especially the big um, thing of time travel. And uh, I think that's one of my favorite things in Trek, is when they go back in time or forward in time. Well, the only reason they go back in time is because it, it saves them money for their production costs. They don't have to put makeup on everyone. Well, yeah, they probably have to put makeup on them, but they don't have to do like different yeah. alien makeups and stuff. No clean-ons. Right. Well, of course, clean-ons back then anyway. Yeah. Well. Anyway, I just thought it was a, a. It was one of my favorite episodes growing up when they had it in syndication because uh, we could see a little bit of our own universe. You mean in you the didn't s- watch it live? Nathan, I was only like two years old when it oh, was live. Oh, okay. Sorry. Thanks a lot. Don't make me older than I am. Celebrity sightings. <laughs> okay, celebrity sightings. There was was a few celebrities on this one, not just the Trek crew, but also a guy named Roger Perry, and he played the pilot that they uh, rescued or or took out of the uh, the jet. And what what other stuff was he? And you looked him up. He was in a lot of TV shows in the seventies, like Hawaii Five O and FBI and Manix, all sorts of that of, kind of stuff. So he was pretty famous all over the TV, and that was kind of fun to have him on the show. The other guy that uh, remember that what was he was. Um, the uh, was he a, a major or something that was questioning him and stuff? Anyway, uh, the guy's name was Ed Peck, and Ed Peck, if you if you all have watched Happy Days, was Officer Kirk that gave Fonzie such a bad time, and he was actually in the Star Trek episode too, which was very very cool. So, what are some of the things you liked about the episode, Nathan? Well, I liked how they did the whole erase the memory of the captain guy when they beamed him down to his plane yeah that was yeah, cool that was cool yeah that was great I mean, how they used the black hole to go back in time and stuff that that was in fact i think that was the first time they did the slingshot thing around the sun they used that also in uh the voyage home remember when they went to get the whales and everything mm-hmm. they used the slingshot effect to go back in time of course their special effects were a little bit better then but uh anyway it was a very, very cool show. All in all, I like the time travel shows that Star Trek does, even though they're pretty implausible because uh, nothing would have ever really happened if that actually happened. And, you know, the paradox kind of goes. But uh, anyway, so out of out of uh, five stars, Nathan, what would you say this episode was? I give this one a four and a half. Really? Out of five? Good. Yeah, I, you know, I would tend to give it up there on a four as well because I just really, I like that and the other episode that they did um, um, with... Um, Gary Seven was it Gary Seven, the guy. Anyway, they went back in time. They, they well, actually, it wasn't back in time. It was it was at the well. Yeah, it was back in it time. Was back in time. Yeah, sure it was. Anyway, I like those kind of episodes when they would do that. So, there you go. That's the father and son review for tomorrow is yesterday. Yesterday uh, is tomorrow. No, no, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow is yesterday. Right, right. I, maybe we got that wrong. No, we got it right. All right. Well, this is Rick and this is Nathan and this has been the, the father, father and son, son review. review. See you, Rico. Well, thanks, Rick and Nathan, for that uh, great review, as always, of Tomorrow is Yesterday. Yeah, I wanted to mention one other thing about Roger Perry, played uh, Captain Christopher. He was married for a long time to a uh, woman comedian named uh, Joanne Worley. Uh, guys, uh, oh, older, my age, younger, a little younger, and so on, they, uh, they'll they remember who she is. She used to be on an old show called Laughing a Lot, uh, 
did a lot of game shows, things like that. So, yeah, he was married to uh, Joanne Worley for quite a long time. So a little interesting bit of trivia for you there. All right, let's uh, switch gears here. Got a lot of uh, things to cover. I do want to slide uh, in Kenny's, the rest of Kenny's report at the end of the show from C4. So we'll put that at the very end. Uh, got a collectible to talk about here in a second. But first, I want to announce a new contest. Uh, doing some reorganizing over Memorial Day weekend of my bookshelves and things like that. And discovered uh, that I have it still even sealed in plastic. I've got myself an extra copy. It's a hardcover book. It's called The Art of... Uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. It's a it's a really nice book. I've got another one opened up, and uh, they did a lot of these art of you know books for the different movies, prequels, the original uh, trilogy, and everything like that. So I've got this hardcover book, and I was trying to think of a contest to give this book away. This is what I came up with. What I'd like, is, and we're going to run this for the next two weeks. So. On the podcast two weeks from now is when the winner will be announced. And I'm going to do it randomly. So if you enter into this contest, you have a chance of winning. It won't be based on uh, any kind of judgment on what I want you to do. But this is what I'd like to get. Uh, since this is a Star Wars uh, collectible, what I was hoping for this contest is what I'd like is people to send me uh, approximately a minute or less uh some scene or lines or dialogue reenacted from any of the Star Wars films. In other words, you can try to do your own Yoda voice and say, mm, adventure, excitement, mm, a Jedi craves not these things. <laughs> you know, there was my Yoda voice, or at least my Yoda voice early on a Sunday morning. So basically that's what I'm looking for. Something, uh, you are reenacting some little bit of dialogue, and you can do it with someone else if you'd like, uh, if you need another person uh, in the scene, but keep them a minute or less. Uh, they got to be audio. You can either do uh, uh, an MP3 and email it to the show at treksf at gmail.com, or you can call the voicemail, the new voicemail number, 206 666 127. A couple ways to enter. The, if you record an MP3 and send it in uh, an audio file, that, that's a much preferred method. The quality is a lot better than that voicemail line, so try to do that if you can. But, uh, again, a minute or less, and you reenacting some short little bit of dialogue from one of the Star Wars movies. Pretty simple, huh? So I think that'll be good, and uh, I'll just take all the entries, play them on a podcast two weeks from now. Two weeks from now. Uh, is that right? Did I say that right? <laughs> and then we will uh, pick a winner. So I think that'll be a lot of fun to win this Art of the Phantom Menace book. Okay, the Star Wars collect or sorry, not Star Wars. I was in a Star Wars uh, mood or situation. The uh, collectible I'd like to look at this week is from Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, the official name on the collectible is Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest, but this collectible, I believe, was seen in all three Pirates movies, which I did see the third one last week on Memorial Day weekend uh, at World's End, and thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it uh, more than, I think, number two. I thought the story was a little tighter. The, the actors seemed to be a little in better form. Uh, the first movie I really enjoyed a lot. The second one last summer I didn't really enjoy as much, and this third one was pretty good. But anyway, the collectible, it's a Master Replicas piece. This is uh, Jack Sparrow's compass. Remember the compass that he uses throughout the movies? It shows up a lot in the second movie. I think the probably it's shown the most. It's shown in the third movie as well. But this is the compass that will point you to what your heart most desires situation. Uh, he uses it a lot in the second one to try to find that 
Davy Jones chest thing that his heart is in and all that stuff. But Master Replicas did this. It's a one-to-one scale, a limited edition uh, model of that compass. And I thought I'd pick it up. I got the flintlock, uh, oh gosh, maybe six months, a year ago, which is a nice piece. And they also did a compass, Jack Sparrow's compass. It's a really nice piece. It has sort of a, a weighted... Uh, compass dial inside i don't know how you describe it but basically when you kind of tip the compass one way it kind of starts pointing that way it doesn't uh obviously it doesn't quite point to what your heart most desires although you could kind of since you know how it works you can kind of make it do that but it spins around the detail is is nice the the lettering and the numbering on the compass is clear it's uh it's kind of a a uh, uh, painted uh, shell, you know, that's sort of old-looking, the way the compass does for uh, does look in the movie. They did a nice job. Uh, it, it's, it's a really nice piece. Got a good price on it. There was a place having a sale at the time. Actually, I think I got it. Yeah, I got this one direct from Master Up because they were having a sale, and it worked out to be pretty good if you're a Collector Society member, so I, I picked it up there. But uh, they did 2500 I think I got, like, number 1114 here it's uh got some pictures up in the gallery so i'll link that in the podcast notes uh it's nice uh nice to have these kind of things from other than just star trek and star wars collectibles i like to collect a variety of things from different movies that i've enjoyed so there you have uh the pirates of the caribbean dead man's chest jack sparrow's compass master replica still available on their website uh and a lot of other stores online Okay, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna slide uh, the rest of Kenny's Celebration Four report in here. I will come back at the very end of it just to wrap up the show with a brief announcement about a special podcast for next weekend. So listen to Kenny's uh, second day of uh, his report on Sunday when he visited C4. Here we go. So on Sunday, my partner Harry and I were gonna go and. Uh, I already knew the lay of the land. I knew what to do, where to go. So it was much easier getting in the second day. And uh, we headed to the Celebration 4 store to get some official, authentic uh, t-shirts. So I wanted something to remember uh, this great experience with. So I wound up buying two t-shirts, some magnets. Spent way too much money, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, after that, we went over to the dealer's room because I wanted to get this really cool Stormtrooper Support Your Troop t-shirt, which I did get along with uh, six other shirts and spent a lot more money. Now I have plenty of Star Wars shirts. It was a great it was a great time. Uh, after that, I took Harry over to the fan room because I wanted to show him the X-Wing and the Jedi training, the dioramas, and I also had my video camera this time, so I actually took video of most of that stuff, so that was really cool. We wanted to see the robot chicken panel, so we went and stood in line again probably about an hour beforehand. And this one, we were towards the end, and I didn't think we were going to get in. Um, it was a pretty long line, and we were sitting in the hot sun on the outside. But we did. We made it in there and watched Seth Green and his partner talk about the new robot chicken Star Wars special, which was very cool. They actually showed some scenes, and it just looks so funny. After we did robot chicken... Uh, I really wanted to get up to the Clone War presentation because I knew they were going to show footage. They claimed that they were not going to, they were unable to, but uh, I just had a feeling they were going to, so I had to get up there early. We got there probably an hour and a half before it started, got in line, had really good placement in line, and um, it was very cool because you can hear the people inside for the for the previous uh, showing, and they were screaming and, and, and just so excited, so it just made you more excited to get in there. Um, we got in there, 
And the room was pretty packed for what we thought we would be pretty close up. So we were f pretty far back, but they had big screens, so you were able to watch what was going on. And uh, the producer and uh, the, you know, the main woman behind the Clone Wars came out, um, did a little slideshow of Lucas Films, introduced the director who came out, who's a really huge Star Wars fan, which was really good. There's um, a really funny story with him. Not believing, you know, when she called to offer him the job, he, he, you know, he thought it was a friend of his playing a prank until she gave him Skywalker Ranch phone number and had him call her back. So it just, you know, it looks like it's going to be really cool. They showed pictures of the progression of the Clone War Troopers, what they look like in the Clone War animated series, what they look like in real life, and then their version of it, like a cross between both of them. Um, it was a really cool experience, a lot of fun, and of course, the very end, they said, you know, we weren't able to get any footage, but George Lucas made a phone call, and of course, when George calls somebody, he gets things done, and they had this trailer that they were going to premiere, so we watched it. It was amazing. It was on a huge screen with the best sound. It had everybody going crazy. They played it again. It was a fun experience. And then we got to leave and we got little mini posters for the Clone Wars, which was a lot of fun. Um, come to find out that they premiered it online at the same time. But still, it was fun to see it with a group of Star Wars fans. I mean, huge fans. And uh, everyone seemed very excited for this new series that's going to be coming out at the end of 2008. After we did Clone Wars, we went to this room of how to build an Astro Droid, which I was really looking forward to because R2-D2 is one of my favorite characters. And uh, you just walk inside this room and it, there's probably 20, 25 different types of Astro Droids all over the place. Uh, their owners, you know, they're all, they're all fan-made. Um, and the owners are next to them. You can ask questions. I mean, I took tons of pictures. Very cool ones. It was That was a lot of fun. That was one of my favorite rooms uh, for the weekend. Um, after we did that, uh, we went in over to the LucasArts uh, archive room because I wanted to show Harry all the cool props. And then we did the Vader project again. And this time I had a video camera, so I was able to videotape the entire thing instead of taking pictures, which was a lot of fun. While we were in line for the, the Vader project, uh, a gentleman came over and said that the Star Wars in 30 minutes was going to do another showing. If you don't know what this is, it's a group of theater actors who do, they perform the original Star Wars trilogy in 30 minutes. Uh, I really wanted to see it, but just timing wise, it wasn't going to work out. But these guys were so great and there was such a demand that they actually put on another show later in the evening and uh, we were able to get in that one. And I have to say that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Uh, it was so much fun, and I heard so much about it, and I was so happy I was able to see it. Um, and it was a great way to kind of end the night for us. After that, we went downstairs, took some more pictures here and there. We were both really tired. It's been a long day and a great experience. I read this in an article for the 30th anniversary of Star Wars, and it just said so much to me, and it's how I feel about these films um, that I wanted to quote it here. Uh, it says, A good film sticks with you for a while, but a great film can be a lifelong love affair. Such is the case with Star Wars. I have loved Star Wars since the very first moment in 1977 when I was a young kid watching it on the big screen. And now, 30 years later, it still touched me the same way it did back then. 
I will forever appreciate George Lucas for making these great masterpieces and changing the face of sci-fi forever. Thanks so much, Kenny, for that great, awesome uh, report on Celebration 4. It's uh, so nice to hear all that for the people that haven't uh, had a chance to go, that I, I didn't get a chance to go to. It haven't been to one yet, actually, and uh, I, uh, I, I've got to make a... Maybe I'll make an on-air promise that the next time they do one, Celebration 5, whenever that happens, uh, when and where, uh, I will definitely be trying to go. And, I, you know, it's... Uh, you know, it's great when you get all the fans, people that love something all together in one place, and it sounds like you had a great time. I will be putting a link in the podcast notes. Kenny's also got a uh, very cool uh, website uh, put up uh, with a lot of pictures and, and uh, some of his uh, his reminiscence of these different uh, conventions he's been at, Celebration 4 and others. So I will link up Kenny's site on the podcast notes so people can check out his photos and learn more about his uh, experience there. Well, folks, uh, that's going to uh, just about do it for this week. I uh, got a, had a pretty packed uh, podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, looking at all these things. Thanks very much to all the listeners and the people out there that contributed, uh, Kenny and the Moyers and the Duffster and anyone else I might have missed. Uh, thanks very much to your uh, efforts and contributions to making Treks in Sci-Fi. Also, your show as well. And don't forget about the contest. I'm going to go two weeks because next week's show, I'm going to do something a little different. Uh, I kind of talked about this before, but I'm finally getting it put together since I've been kind of out of town and, and things have been a little hectic. But uh, I want to get this uh, in before too much more time goes on. I'm going to do a dual commentary podcast with uh, a gentleman that I talked to on the podcast a couple of months back, Sebastian Pruth. Uh, who has a lot of Star Trek experience and knowledge and has talked to a lot of people that have worked on the show and the various series. Uh, Sebastian and I are going to uh, look at a Next Generation episode. We're going to uh, do a full episode commentary on the episode. Uh, we're going to look at, I think uh, I think I'm going to wait. We're going to keep that as a surprise for next weekend's show. So we're going to do a full commentary. It should be up on Sunday. Uh, might be a little later next Sunday since we're going to record it on Sunday morning. So look forward to doing that with Sebastian, and I think everyone will enjoy it. Uh, and until then, everyone enjoy the uh, next week. Uh, I don't think I'm trying to think if there was anything else. I thought I had a few other things I wanted to throw out there, but, uh, well, there's always another podcast, or there's always the forums. Uh, definitely check out the Treks in Sci-Fi forums. If you are uh, somebody out there who enjoys the show, I think you'd really enjoy the forums. We've got a lot of great members. We're doing the RPG thing still. Uh, a lot of people's comments about movies, TV. Uh, a lot of good discussion going on there. So check them out. Uh, go to treksf.com and then just click on the forums link and you'll get there. Uh, sometimes uh, when you uh, join up as a member, it might take me an hour or two to confirm you and to uh, okay your membership and all of that. But uh, I will get to it. So check that out when you get a chance oh and also podcast alley if you enjoy the podcast throw in the vote up there is always uh welcome also the same thing with itunes look up treks in sci-fi on the podcast listings in itunes and throw up a little you know a couple of sentences about what you like about the show on itunes always nice to have that so rico hey here we go the second uh, third person or whatever you call it i'm talking to myself rico get out of here the show is long enough okay all right i'm going i'm going all right <laughs> everyone have a good time enjoy the nicer weather hopefully where you're at uh, kind of rainy here today actually so but a little cooler than it's been 
Anyway, we will talk to everyone out there listening uh, again soon. Thanks so much for downloading the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. You said don't talk fast, and that's how you show excitement. All right, talk a little faster. Okay. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. This podcast, copyright 2007, all rights reserved. (laughs) 